Welcome to Church of the Wild. Give yourself a round of applause. You made it to church today. Uh, if you are here, you are by default cheering for the Detroit Lions today uh, because you are believing in a miracle worker, promise keeper. I mean, good night. If the Lions play the Chiefs, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, it's, <laughs> it's going to be a good one. I, I'm excited today. Um, we have uh, one of my favorite movies uh, from the last couple of years, and I'll give you some context for why in a minute, but I'm super excited about this series as we just look at different things going on in our life around us, looking at culture and um, observing the world that we live in and trying to find value in a world that's full of voices because our world is full of voices. Uh, we are inundated with voices telling us what to think, when to think it, what to do, how to do it. And so it's really difficult at times to find the value in those voices. So we're talking about a movie today called Dune. Dune is a remake of a 1984 movie, which I recommend that you watch because the 1984 version of it is, is uh, fantastic. It's awesome. And it's from an old book uh, from the 70s, a uh, book by Frank Herbert, and uh, I really like the new one. I think the new one, I am, as I get older, becoming more and more of a camera, cinema camera nerd. I just like video stuff, and it is one of the most beautiful movies filmed that you can watch. Uh, just incredible, incredible cinematography in it. But not only that, it has amazing lines and amazing quotes. And I'm going to try to give you the quotes without spoiling the movie. The book is from the 70s, so technically I'm not spoiling it for you. If, you have, if you've already missed it, you've already missed it. But I'm going to try to give you the quotes from it. Uh, there are some great quotes. This is a scene where there's a duke, and his name is Leto Atreides, and um, he is being tricked by the emperor into taking this planet. And he knows he's being tricked, but he also knows that he has to accept what the emperor is saying. And so the emperor's man says to him, will you accept? And he says, we are the house Atreides. There is no call we do not answer, and there is no faith that we betray. We will bring peace to Arrakis. This quote I think you could write an entire sermon series on. This quote is so incredibly deep. Uh, so he begins with this, with this identity. He says, we are the house Atreides. So he is answering first from a place of identity and not activity. He could have said, yes, we will do this, or no, we will not. But instead, he is saying, this is who we are. We are the house Atreides. So because this is who we are, then we know our actions. There's no call that we do not answer and no faith that we betray. Then he says, we will bring peace to Arrakis. Now, the reason he says that is because he knows the emperor is trying to get him to bring war to Arrakis through the, the, the greed for money and power. But he is stating to everyone around him, this is who we are. 
this is what we do, and the real reason we do it, regardless of what they say, is to bring peace. And that quote is an incredibly strong quote. There's another one that I think is really good. There's the same guy, the Duke, is talking to his son, and he says to his son, you are the future of the house Atreides. And the son says to him, well, what if I'm not, Dad? And he says, not what? The future of the house Atreides. Then he, he all of a sudden stops, and he shows his son this ring that signifies who he is. And he says, I never told my dad I wanted this either. I wanted to be a pilot. My father said, this is such a good line, a great man doesn't seek to lead. He is called to lead, and he answers. I find that to be such an incredible line in a world full of people fighting over titles, fighting over leadership, fighting over authority, fighting over a title, a title, a title. He is saying, hey, I know that everybody in this movie is fighting over power and titles. Great men don't do that. Then he says, if your answer is no and you don't want to become that, you will still be the only thing I have ever needed you to be, my son. It's, it's an incredible line. It's like one of the best scenes from the movie. You watch it and you're like, man, I really want to be like that guy, right? Uh, but there's a man named Duncan Idaho, Duncan Idaho, who um, says to Paul Atreides, he says, look at you, you put on some muscle. And Paul Atreides says, I did, and he's like, no. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite lines from the movie because it's, it's a very serious, very deep movie, and all of a sudden in the middle of it, he just slams this guy. In the movie, there's another line. It says, fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. And that's kind of the idea of the movie is that fear stops us from doing and being all that we can be. But I want to point out the real reason that we're discussing this, this movie today is this quote from Duncan Idaho, who's kind of not, he's kind of like a, a wild hotshot pilot. He's kind of like Top Gun Maverick, which the third one just got approved to be released. So Caleb Skinner will probably be in it most likely, and I'm excited for that. Um, so that's gonna, that's, they're saying, hey, we're doing a new one. And I was like, oh, Caleb's in there. Um, the, this, this pilot in this movie says a line. He says, dreams make good stories. But everything important happens when we are awake. Because when we are awake, we make them happen. And this line, in the middle of a movie, a sci-fi movie about giant <laughs> worms coming out of the sand, is an incredibly powerful line. There is so much value in that line. And here's why. We live in a culture where dreams, where, where vision and this idea of, man, go after your dreams. Everyone talks about it. All, everyone says we should pursue our dreams. Everyone says we should go after our dreams. But in our culture, it, when it comes to dreams, there are those who, they never start to dream. There are those who never stop dreaming. And there are those who actually take those dreams and make them reality. So I think when we talk about dreams, there are those who, who never start. There are those who just, because in the past uh, they maybe failed at something or they've maybe been told they're a failure or because at some point they just stopped living in this, this, this idea of hoping and dreaming and wanting more and they just settled down like my dad says, uh, forget about the sweet by and by and live in the nasty now. That's like my dad's quote. Um, uh, the idea is that so many people today don't have big vision and dreams for their life. 
So many people in our world today, because there's so many toxic people telling everybody you can't do what you want to do, you can't dream big, you can't start the business, you can't be this, you can't be that. Literally, don't be try to be Bluey's dad because you won't measure up. He's too good of a dad. You can't do it. There's so many people in our world who never start to dream. They never try to start the business. They never try to be what they could be. They never try to do the things that God's called them and given them to do. Then there's the opposite version of that, which is uh, probably what I tend to fall into. And, and some of us just never stop dreaming. Like this is kind of more my issue is like I, I'm living 10 years from now right now because I'm thinking, oh, in 10 years I can do this and this and this. And boy, if I do this, I can do this and I can do this. Um, when I was eight, I wrote a life plan. And it was to learn for the first 33 years, to learn and teach for the second 33 years, and to teach people how to learn and teach in the third 33 years. And that sounds cool, but when you're six, that's, you know, like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> like, be six. I tell my daughter all the time, like, enjoy being six. Just live in the moment. It's wonderful to be six. Someone like me will often never stop dreaming. So I often have a hard time in reality because I'm always thinking about what could be. Oh, this could be like this. This could be like this. This could look this way. This could be like this. This could happen this way. And so often I miss reality because I never stop dreaming. And so I never actually start to make my dreams come into fruition. So then there are those who just wake up and get those dreams done. God gives us dreams, but we need to know, first of all, that they are from him and that they are for him. So when we think about like, well, I've got this dream for my life, how do you know if it's God's dream for your life or yours? It's a fair question, right? Because uh, we, we can say and talk ourselves into like, this is from God. I know God wants me to do this, so I'm going to do it. But will it help others is a, is a great question to ask before you start to put this dream into fruition. If the dream is all about you, it's probably not from God. Will it help other people? Will it help other people? Will it glorify God and who is in control of it? If the dream is something that you have to control, it's not from God. If the dream is something that God is in control of and you live and you do, then it's from him. So there's questions that we have to ask, but I want to read to you a passage, Acts chapter 10, about a man who has a dream and then he makes that dream come into fruition. Acts chapter 10. Verse 9, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop at about the sixth hour to pray. Their, their clock is a little bit different to us. This is, this is noon. He's, he's, he's up there around noon. He became hungry and he wanted something to eat. But when they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air, and there came a voice to him, saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or uncommon or unclean. Uh, and the voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once into heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed, perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate, called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, 
rise, go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. And then this is so important and so skipped over, so he invited them in to be his guest. So here's this man, and I think pastors, we, we tend to, um, we tend to, like, over, over um, we tend to just think everyone knows what this story means, okay? So I'm going to try to explain 30,000-foot view of this. Peter is hungry, so he goes up on the roof to eat. The sheet comes down with animals that he's not allowed to even touch, much less eat. And a voice that is clearly God's voice says to him, eat these animals. And he says, no way. I've never done that. I am an upstanding Jewish citizen. I have never done that, and I never will do that. And it happens again and again. And then finally, he's like, I don't know why this is happening. This is really interesting. And he can't really, he's like, can't really figure it out. And then all of a sudden, some Gentile people, which is a fancy biblical word for us, like the non-Jewish people, they're knocking on his door and they're like, hey, we want to hear what you have to say about Jesus. So he goes with them and he tells them about Jesus. And this is the beginning of the ministry where the gospel starts to go from Jewish children of Israel only to the rest of the world, to us. We are the unclean people in this story, okay? So Peter has this dream that he's supposed to go take the gospel to everyone else, and he's supposed to take the gospel to the lost people, and he's supposed to do this, and he's like, well, I, I've, I've never done that. I don't eat unclean things. There's, there's no way. And Peter almost missed out on his dream because he had old prejudices. And I'll, I'll tell you the first part about taking a dream and making it into reality is you have to make room for your dreams. You have to make room for your dreams. So many of us do not dream big enough in life. And God is, is, is trying to give us new things and he's trying to show us new paths and he's trying to give us new life. But because we have old prejudices, we have old habits, we have old bitterness, we have old sins, we don't have room for the dreams God has given us. It is old things that keep us from receiving new dreams. Old mindsets cannot receive new dreams. See, Peter almost misses being the one who takes the gospel to the Gentiles because of his old mindset. Think about the impact, the eternal impact of being Peter, the one who gets to do this, had he not submitted himself to God. Had he not emptied out his old mindset and allowed God to fill him with this new dream. See, old mindsets prevent us from receiving new dreams. How about this? Old bad habits cannot receive new dreams. Old bad habits cannot receive new dreams. So often in life, we're like, God, why aren't you doing anything new in my life? But it's because we spend so much time living in bad habits that we have lived in for so long that there's not room for God to do the things in our life. God is not going to show you new scripture if you're on Instagram six hours a day. Why would he? How would he? God is not going to show you new things if you're so full of old bad habits that there's not room for him to do these things. 
old bad habits, old toxicity cannot receive, old prejudices, old bitterness. We're, we're, we're walking around saying, I don't know why God doesn't do anything in my life. Well, why would God do anything in your life if you're still obsessed with middle school drama? You're an adult, and you're still obsessed with what happened in eighth grade when someone, someone said something about you. God's not going to give you new dreams if you're obsessed with old bitterness. If you're so full of bitterness, he's not, you don't have room for new things. Old bitterness, old sins, and old patterns cannot receive new dreams. If you want to have dreams that come from God and you want to turn those dreams into reality, you have to learn to make room for them by removing the old, by removing the old. Number two, pray for your dreams. Pray for your dreams. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you're wondering, like, God, I think you want me to start this business, but I just don't know, pray about it. God, I think you want me to do this, but I just don't know, pray about it. Somebody, I think it was Craig Rochelle said, if it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. I find that I, I am automatically drawn to worry before I am to pray. Like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Before I will say, God, can you do this? So make room for your dreams. Pay, pray for your dreams. As the, as the movie said, fear is the mind killer. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of spring rain. From the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give you showers of rain to everyone in the vegetation in the field. For the household gods utter nonsense. The diviners see lies. They tell false dreams. They give empty consolation. Therefore, people wander like a sheep and are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Pray for wisdom in everything that you do. Pray for favor. Pray for direction. Pray for help. Number three, write your dreams down. This one is so important. This is so important. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. The Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. If you have a dream, if you've got a goal, if you've got vision, hey, I want my family to be like this. Man, I want my, my teenagers to be like this. I want my kids to be like this. I want my, myself and I want my marriage to be like this. I want my relationships to be like this. I want to be this type of a person. Write it down as often as you possibly can. Write it down. Write it everywhere. You have a dream for your life. I want to be someone who, write it down. Continue to write it down over and over. I found that the more I write it down, the more clear it becomes. Because what I'll, I tend to do is like, oh, God, I want to be a person who's generous. And then the more I write that down, the more I'm like, oh, I want to be generous to the people who God, God's placed in my life. Okay, well, who's God has placed in my life? Oh, I want to be generous to my family and my friends and to my church. And the more I write it down, the more clear it becomes. Then put structure to your dreams. Put structure to your dreams. I almost called this sermon, everything I know about life I learned from Lance, because Lance gave me a quote from Henry David Thoreau. I think I'm saying it right. Uh, and it says this. If you've built castles in the air, your work need not be lost. That is where they should be. Now put the foundations under them. This is so important. If you're like me, where you have these huge dreams, you've got, you're constantly like, man, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And you don't have any foundations to them. If you have no structure to them, 
you will never actually go from just starting dreaming to actually making those dreams happen. Dreams need structure. Endless possibilities begin with structured systems. Endless possibilities begin with structured systems. Uh, by structures, we mean counselors. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Where there is no guidance, people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. If wise, godly counsel upsets us, then the dream is probably from us and not from him. There's not too many counselors who are wise and godly that you can go to before you do something. Hey, I want my family to be this family, and we do this. Get counsel. Put structure to the dream. Hey, I want to open a business, and I want it to look like this. Get counsel. Hey, I want to do this new ministry, and I want it to look like this. Ask for counsel. Continually seek counsel over and over. Find wise, godly people who are not your peers and ask them for counsel on it. Number two, schedule. Schedule. If you won't schedule it, you won't succeed at it. If you won't schedule it, you won't succeed at it. I found in my life that, that if I don't put it on my schedule, I will not succeed. So last year I, I said, I want to I adopt the attitude of a relentless learner. And I put that, I want to I be that, I want to be that. And what I realized was I was not actually spending any time learning. And then once I started to stick it on my schedule and say, hey, no, I can't do this because I'm, say, I'm doing this, I began to learn more and more and more because I scheduled it. Schedules, I have to tell myself this, are not the enemy of your dreams. People who dream, like myself, we think a schedule is like the enemy because no one will tell me I got I to gotta work on my dream and it's just something that's like, but a schedule will clarify it and it will begin to define it and it will begin to give it importance. This is why if your spouse wants to schedule time with you, that is not an insult, it is not a threat, it is not a problem, it just shows that you, your spouse values time with you. And so because they want your marriage to succeed and grow, they put it on a schedule. Schedule it so you can succeed at it. All right, next, systems. Systems. Systems are not the enemy of your dream. You got a dream, man, I want my family to be like this. Okay, how do you achieve that? What's the system for arriving there? What process helps you arrive there? Uh, next, resources. Resources. What resources do you need to actually do what it is you want to do? I remember, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm going to tell my, my family's um, dirty laundry. I think they call this spilling the tea is what the cool kids say. Um, so when I was in middle school, my brother, who is a dreamer, like he's got every dream in the book, he decided that we needed to be a family who had a 15-acre farm that sold only sugar beets to deer hunters. And so my dad was like, cool, let's do it. And it was a great idea for my brother, who then immediately went to college, and um, I had to do all the work. And so all summer long, I planted and weeded 15 acres of sugar beets that we were going to sell to the farmers. And when fall came, my dad and my brother realized they had never actually talked to any deer hunters about buying the sugar beets. And so you know what we had? A field full of sugar beets that our deer really like to eat and no money. Why? It was a great dream, 
and we never put resources or systems or processes to it. We just thought, well, when deer season comes around, somehow we'll just find these guys who just want to feed sugar beets to deer. And they never materialized, and the dream never happened. And so I spent an entire summer weeding sugar beets that we never sold. If you don't put a system, a process, and the resources behind your dream, it will be just a dream. Dreams are wonderful. They're better when you wake up and make them into reality. You need systems and processes. Why? Because if you can't define it, you won't succeed at it. If you can't define it, you, won't, you cannot do what you will not define. Next, you need to start on your dream. But you have to start where you are, not where you want to be. This is something, uh, those of us who are in the GROW group, we're, we're studying the Sabbath. And um, this is something that John Mark Comer says, start where you are, not where you want to be. And this is the most difficult one for most of us. Most of us can get to right here, and then we either never start, or we do what I do, which is like, I have a goal this year. I want to run six miles. I want to you know, run six miles without stopping, and what do I do? I will immediately go to a treadmill and try to run six miles without stopping. Why? Because I'm starting where I want to be. Start where you are. If your goal is to take a family Sabbath, start where you are. Spend a couple hours in family Sabbath. If your goal is to be a family that prays, start where you are. Begin to pray. If your goal is to be a family that's generous, start where you are, not where you want to be. It's a great way to lose everything if you're like, we need to be generous. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to give 100% away. Start where you are. God will bless where you are and take you where you want to be. God wants this to happen. And along the way, Help others with their dreams. Along the way, help others with your dreams. Psalm chapter 20, verse 4. May he grant you your heart's desires and fulfill all your plans. So often, we find opposing or opposite or different people's dreams to be a threat to ours. But healthy people support other people's dreams. And realize they're not a threat to theirs. Healthy people see the worship team up here um, and they're like, man, that's great. Healthy people see um, someone out here in Connect and they're like, that's awesome. Healthy people see someone doing, living out their dream and they're like, good for you, how do I help? If you're unhealthy, you begin to see other people's threats as a challenge to yours. This is why recently we said this, we were like, hey, look. There's other church plants around here. We invited other church plants to come to our church and say, hey, we'll tell people about you. Why? Because their dream is not a threat to our dream. Their dream is a similar dream, and they're on the same team as us, and we're for them. Help other people find their dreams. Start yours. Begin to be the person who's moving forward with your dreams, but along the way, Help other people find theirs. Be the person, be the family, be the church, be the community who's saying, you know what? We see that you have this dream. We want to help you achieve it. And we're going to keep working on ours. We're going to put the structure to it. We're going to do these things. But man, we want to help you find yours.
And we want to help you along the way. Why? Because your dream's not a threat to my dream. And my dream's not a threat to yours. Healthy people see other people's dreams as an opportunity, not an obstacle. Not an obstacle. We want to be people who are known for helping people find their dreams, helping people achieve their dreams. I want to be a person who, when a younger person says, I have this dream and and this is what it looks like, I want to be a person who I know they can go to and I can help them get where it is they're trying to go. I want us to be a church that says, man, you have this dream of starting a business. How do we come alongside you and help you? I want to be a church that says, man, you have a dream of starting a church. How do we come alongside you and help you? I want to be a church that says, you have an idea of a ministry to helping people who are in need. How do we be a church that comes alongside you and help you? I have a lot of dreams. I'm someone who will tend to never, never stop dreaming, if I'm honest. It's been really fun to see some of them come into fruition. Um, um, recently, today, we have in the mail a new resource. It's coming. We'll be giving it out next Sunday. Josh designed it, so it looks really cool. And it's, it's um, the sermon series from last year called This Glorious Light. It's a look at 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. That was a dream that we as a church had. We want to be a church that resources and equips people. It's just been amazing to watch it slowly come into fruition. Um, I think I'm allowed to say this. I hope. Um, last last fall, we did a book called the Gar- or series called The Garden, and um, that was just a look at how we need to look at ancient solutions for modern dilemmas. And um, I've had a dream since being a kid about being a published author. It's been something that I've wanted to be since I was a child. And that book got picked up by a publishing company, and so this fall, that book will be published, and it'll be out. It'll be in Target. It'll be in Best Buy. It'll be in all these places. That's something fun. <laughs> That's something really fun to watch come into fruition. Something that I've dreamed about since a child. We as a community did that. You, many of you helped make that a reality. We have a dream as a church of going anywhere to tell everyone about the love of Christ. And we are, we are doing that. I cannot, this is so, so cool. This week, a lady messaged us on Instagram. And she said, hey, our kids loved your camp last year so much. And we loved it so much that we don't want to schedule our kids for any camps until we find out when yours are. So tell us when your camps are because we'll put all of the other ones on hold to come to yours. That has been a dream for us. We have this dream of, of having free sports camps that are as good as paid sports camps in our community to help our community. And that dream's slowly becoming reality. And it's so wonderful to watch God take dreams and make them reality. But often many of us never start because we're afraid of failing. So we have dreams that we just never begin to put into work. We have dreams and we got all these things and many of us, our favorite word is someday we're going to do this. Today is the day of salvation. 
Today's the day that we begin to be people who take the dreams that God has put into our heart and we begin to watch and we begin to work and we begin to put structure to them and pray and make room for them and we begin to have vision, we begin to get counselor and we begin to do these things so that God can do abundantly above all we ask, think and imagine. If you're afraid to dream because of past things, make room for new dreams. If you're like me and you tend to only dream, it's time to start putting roots in those. Time to start putting structure to those. Time to start making the calls that you've dreamt about making. It's time to start putting thoughts to them. Who can I talk to and get counsel about this? This helps us take these dreams and make them into reality. But as Duncan Idaho said, dreams make good stories, but everything good happens in the day because that's when we wake up and make them happen. Let's all stand to our feet. Worship team, you guys can come up here. I don't know if you're like me where all you do is dream and, and, and often you never actually take the steps you need to get those dreams started. Or if maybe you're afraid to dream. You've stopped because you're like, well, you know, I, I can't do that because of this and this. You've got, you've got an excuse a mile long already lined up on why whatever I said isn't true. Today's the day. Today's the day that you begin to put structure to your family's dreams. Today's the day that you sit down and you begin to schedule it. Because if you don't schedule it, you won't succeed at it. Today's the day that you write it down. You look at Habakkuk 2.2 and you go to Habakkuk 2.2 and you begin to define it. Because if you don't define it, you won't do it. You cannot do what you will not define. Today's the day that we begin to be people who dream again. We dream big dreams. We pray big prayers we begin to move forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church. God, 